Welcome back to Sermon Notes. This is Garland, and I am joined this week with the one and only. We have Ryan Burton here with us today. Hey, this is my third time. So I know. I'm, I know. You're I'm a regular kind of a now. Yeah, you're a regular yeah. now. Um, glad, glad to have you in with us. Uh, this week, uh, the re- reason you're here, this week, we're going to have a different <laughs> worship experience and different, uh, we might say, in- interaction with the text. Uh, normally, and like, like many churches, we, we, we open up a passage of Scripture. You know, we do try to teach through the Bible here. Um, and then we, we unpack it, observe some things in the text, interpret it for uh, our congregation, then try to help understand how to apply it in a way that many people just call you know, preaching or teaching. And that's our normal mode of uh, going about interacting with the text in the worship center and oftentimes in our small groups, but not this week. So what are we doing this week? And we'll talk about the why of it in a minute. Well, so what I think is cool is... We're still we're still telling the narrative, right? So we're still going to be working through the scriptures, but we're going to be doing it in a unique way that's more storytelling. And so, um, what I think is going to be cool about this is because this is a very familiar story to most. It's Daniel three, so we're talking about the fiery furnace. And most, if you've grown up in church or grew up going to Sunday school and whatnot, you've heard this story of God's deliverance. Um, and so. We thought this would be a great week to teach this in a new, um, a new form of delivery, with a new form of delivery, so that um, people might see it in a new light. And so we've asked our friend and church member uh, Justin Gearhart, who has a podcast called Holy Ghost Stories, to come and to deliver his version of this narrative through the the style that he kind of does through this podcast, which I think is really beautiful. And it's helped me personally um, dive deeper into the scriptures and to, and to kind of, kind of see um, a lot of times like a bird's eye view of these scriptures and, and, and put some skin on some people. Um, I think that's where it's helped me the most. Um, and so he's, he's just teaching the narrative. He's not adding anything here. He's not adding to the scripture, but he's illuminating it a little bit, which I think will be really helpful. Um, for our congregation. Yeah. And so one of the reasons we have uh, the sermon notes podcast is uh, we typically ask two questions, you know, what's going on in the passage, where are we going to be, where are we doing this week? And then uh, what didn't make the cut? And so a lot this week is going to be we left to the creative imagination a little bit of you, uh, the sermon notes listener, as you use uh, the Daniel Esther guide, or as you lead people in small group, as you uh, disciple people through this material, or if you're just reading it uh, on your own. But here's one of the things we, we would encourage you to try or, or to attempt, and maybe this week is a good occasion to do it, but in subsequent weeks, consider much, uh, in fact, most people have interacted with the biblical text throughout the centuries did not own a copy of the Bible. And in fact, after uh, before the printing press, it was very, very difficult to own a personal copy of the Bible. Um, most modern readers of the Bible, I mean, it's the way I was trained, it's the way we train people even still in our church. We train people to take a printed text, to read it silently, and to do so with pen in hand, you know, and sometimes with a journal next to you or something like that. And that is actually... Um, we might say that's the minority experience of interacting with these texts historically. Yeah. These, these texts were read aloud. They were read at festivals. They were read at uh, uh, gatherings. They were read in living rooms. They were read at, uh, at mealtime. They were told over and over again by elders of communities and tribes of Israel and by the early church. And they were told out loud. They were heard. 
And there's something that we miss when we don't ever hear these stories out loud. And this week we're going to. And so uh, I'm excited. It's, it's going to be different. So if you're yeah. uh, listening to this afterwards, you already know. Um, but w- we could ask, uh, as you go through and you're looking at stories in your small group, and we're looking at biblical texts in your small group, let me just reaffirm and remind you, especially if you're, if you're uh, listening to sermon notes to help you with your small group tonight, the importance of reading the Bible and reading it out loud and hearing it out loud and not being afraid of that, not being, well, that's boring or it's going to take too long. Let's get used to as a church reading the Bible and hearing it out loud. And I think Justin will do that uh, and help us do that really well. Uh, explain how he does it because he's not just going to read Daniel 3. Um, it's a little bit more than that. So what what should we be expecting this week? Well, I think what Justin does really well is he he, he does the research. And so he, he learns a lot about the culture and the context in which the story is written. Um, even down to landscapes and whatnot. And so, so he's done, he's done his research and, and he knows his stuff. But, but what I said earlier, I think has been the most impactful thing to me is that he really puts some skin on these characters. And so what you, you'll see or what you heard this past Sunday, if you listen to it after the service is, um, that he really kind of paints Nebuchadnezzar as the protagonist in this story, which um, historically for me, it's, man, this dude is a chump, and I want this guy to be the one that's getting thrown into the fire. He is, he's against Yahweh, and so he needs to pay, and he needs to be the one that burns. And, and what Justin does, I think, is really beautiful. Um, in, in his writing, he says this, he said, but as he looks, he's talking about uh, Yahweh here, as he looks at Nebuchadnezzar, Yahweh's eyes are full, not of rage or displeasure, but love. And he remembers the day Nebuchadnezzar was born, the day this child he painstakingly crafted in its mother's womb took its first breath, saw the light of the sun for the first time, was fawned over by his teary-eyed mother. Yahweh was present that day, present every day since, bringing Nebuchadnezzar rain, peaches, moonlight, these, these things that that we see as like gifts from the Lord or just just pleasures that we have, that Yahweh gave these things even to King Nebuchadnezzar because he loved him. He knit him. And so, man, I never looked at it that way. I've never read the story with that in mind, that God loved even Nebuchadnezzar. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it really highlights that character uh, in God for me. Yes, by the end of the story, the story begins with Nebuchadnezzar, uh, and this is... Some of the structure of Daniel, we've noted it, uh, hopefully we've noted it well here and on Sunday morning, but uh, as you're working through the passage, as you're talking about in small group, uh, a couple things to note. Man, this is this is interesting. Chapter two, we get this picture of a statue. Nebuchadnezzar has a vision, he has a dream of a beautiful statue, and Michael, I thought, made, a, uh, made the point well that when, a, when a, uh, a worldly person, a pagan ruler, sees world power and empires, he sees that as a as something to marvel at, something beautiful, something to aspire to. And it's not surprising then that what do we see the very next chapter? If chapter two is a, a, a vision of world empires as a beautiful statue and uh, Nebuchadnezzar is told he's the head of gold, but then the statue breaks, it's broken by the Messiah kingdom. Well, it's not surprised that chapter three, what does Nebuchadnezzar do? He builds a statue of himself and it's all gold and basically says, uh, 
you know what? That world power thing looks, it still looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and the structure of the way Daniel's even put together, that's brilliant. Um, yeah. He has a dream of a statue and it gets smashed. So then he goes and builds a statue. Um, but by the end of chapter three, Nebuchadnezzar again has been humbled. And we're going to see mm-hmm. in chapter four, he's humbled all the way to the bottom. And so mm-hmm. what the author of Daniel is doing is just masterful in showing us that. I think it's worth noting. This is a question. If you didn't get to it last week in your small group, so Daniel two and seven is a lot to work through. If you have not um, processed this question personally or processed it with your group, it is a great, uh, a great thing just to ponder. Notice the contrast in Daniel 7 when the Yahweh man, when Daniel has a vision of world empires, how does he see them? Not as a beautiful statue, but as hideous beasts, these things that are deformed, mm-hmm. these things that are... Uh, that rage. They come out of the sea where chaos reigns. These are all ancient Near Eastern images. And uh, that's, if you haven't processed this in your group, this is a great week to do it. Coming off of chapter two and seven and into chapter three, we're looking at the way, remember the way of faithful presence, the way of the exile. How do we see world power, Hmm. economic power, military power, political power, do we see it as something to aspire to or as beautiful or if we can only get more of that? Well, I think the author Daniel would say, you're going to start building statues of gold and they're going to crumble on you. Uh, I think he'd say, read chapter three and four. Or do you see, do we see that as, as beastly? Um, not that everything in the world is evil, um, but world powers clamoring over each other, political might and all that we see, economic might, do we see through it? I think it's one of the things Daniel is going to throw at us. Uh, we're calling that resist the idols of culture. It's one of the ways, uh, the components of the way. But what a what a clever way to present that to the audience with these two uh, these two images. Now, in chapter three, there's going to be a couple of things that might uh, throw you off a little bit. One of them is, and you've pointed one out. Nebuchadnezzar, by the end, is going to be praising the gods of, uh, or the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah. Uh, and that's, uh, I think Justin does a really, uh, uh, it's a compelling job, I think, of drawing that, and you've, you've pointed it out as well. One thing that might come up in your small group is, who's the fourth person in the fire? Mm. Um, you got to take, I'm just throwing that on you right now. <laughs> the fourth person, um, it probably will be asked in your group, what's going on here? And what we might say is uh, Nebuchadnezzar would have pointed out, right? Nebuchadnezzar right. sees the fourth person walking around in the fire, and he says, it, it, it looks like it looks like a son of the of the gods. What is this? And that's an exact, exact appropriate thing I would expect from the pagan Nebuchadnezzar to say is this looks like one of the angelic figures. Now, what people will debate about this fourth character is, is this an angel that's come down to protect uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? It's certainly a plausible explanation. In fact, we're going to see uh, the way that angels interact in, uh, in, in life later on in the book. We're going to even have some named angels in Daniel. It's going to get crazy. Um, some scholars see this as not an angel, but as a, we might call it a pre-Christmas incarnation of Jesus or appearance yeah. of Jesus. And uh, scholars debate that. And so if you're walking in the small group, just know that somebody might ask, uh, you don't have to come down dogmatically one side. Of, that's why I put you on the spot. You don't have to come down uh, strong one side or the other. Different scholars debate that. Um, 
But that might be a question that comes up. One of the things we do in Sermon O's is just uh, try to answer questions that you may have or give you the stuff that we didn't have time to hit uh, in the sermons. There's also, if you have somebody coming to your small group from a different uh church tradition, especially one that's not Protestant, they're going to have a long prayer uh, tucked into their Bible right after verse 23, chapter 3. It's called the Prayer of Azariah, uh, and basically it's a uh, it's an addition to the book of Daniel that we can trace back to the old Greek version of Daniel, and the uh, some non-Protestant traditions still uh, print that. They still part, uh, put that as part of Daniel. They're following the old Greek and the Bibles that we use uh, in most Protestant circles uh, follows the old Hebrew and the old Hebrew does not have that edition right there. So that's your debate. Uh, if somebody's asking that in your group, um, that's that's really what it comes down to is are we, tr- are we translating from an old Greek or an old Hebrew version? And uh, different church traditions have gone different ways with that. Um, you have been really excited about this, uh, about this week. Mm-hmm. So as, as a group, you know, you lead a small group, you're going to have people in your living room. What would be something that as they're going to gather to talk about Daniel chapter three, having heard it that morning, either Sunday night, you know, Thursday night, whatever it may be, or in a, uh, at a men's group or at Rick's bakery or wherever they may be, mm-hmm. what is something that you would want them uh, just to marvel at or to discuss, to just uh, enjoy together as we look at Daniel chapter three this week? Man, I think I think what I've been learning in, in preparation for this service is, um, oh, there's a song that we sing sometimes, it says, your heart won't stop chasing after me, or won't stop coming after me, I think is the, is the lyric. This idea that regardless of where we are, whether we're, we're near to God, we're far from God, there's many that are around us that don't know God. He loves us. He's in pursuit of us. And and we see that so clearly in this. Like, I love... So after uh, what you just referenced is... Um, you see the the fourth. So Nebuchadnezzar sees you know, four four men walking in the fire. And verse twenty six says, Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted. And here's like a turning point, I think. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. Servants of the Most High God. It's the first time we see him acknowledge really the power and authority of Yahweh, and and we see he gives there. And I think that's beautiful. And so, man, I've just been astounded by that in preparation for the service that Yahweh is patient. We see that characteristic in him, that he is loving. And and that has really just kind of stirred my affections for him over mm-hmm. the past few weeks. If you want a cross-reference, you leaders out there, uh, or just disciple makers out there, uh, go look at the story presented to us in Jonah. We're going to see a similar story in Jonah chapter three, God's heart for pagan Nineveh. And even when they don't like Nebuchadnezzar here, doesn't say, Oh, mighty Yahweh, the Israelite God, let me learn about, he doesn't my life to you now. Yeah, He doesn't, he, he's probably still got a lot of questions. I bet he doesn't have a very good, well-formed view of who Yahweh is. He actually just says there's most high L God, uh, there's something going on here. Yeah. Um, but you, what you're highlighting, I think what Justin will highlight on Sunday is the patience of God, even for the wicked pagan king. Yeah. And uh, do we have, do we model that? So mm-hmm. as we continue in this Daniel series, um, continue to bring up before your group. I mean, it's all over chapter three. We're not highlighting it right now, but maybe we, uh, maybe you can in your group. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I mean, is there a better example of resist the idols of culture than this? Uh, so notice though, they are um, they're, they're, they're faithful to Yahweh. 
They resist the idols of culture. They do it respectfully, mm-hmm. and they're willing to face death. Um, they don't. They don't go gather an army. They're willing to face death, and their faithful courage, even in the face of that. Boy, does that that embodies the way that we're trying to get to. Um, but I think what you're drawing out, what we will this week is notice the impact it makes. Um, mm-hmm. People notice that. Uh, when we yell and scream, when we don't practice the way, they don't really notice it. But when they see something in, even Nebuchadnezzar goes, these guys got something. Mm-hmm. Something's going on here. May we be that um, in our city, in our day. That's great. And it opens up the opportunity because it's not it's not even their boldness that changes Nebuchadnezzar right mm-hmm. because he still throws them in the fire mm-hmm. he said they said hey, we'll burn yeah. you know mm-hmm. he still throws them in the fire but it's the deliverance that he mm-hmm. sees from Yahweh mm-hmm. that's what gets to him yeah so those the way of faithful presence we practically seek the good of the culture we're in we resist the idols of the culture that we are in and we humbly trust and man do they we humbly trust that Yahweh is king of the culture that mm-hmm. we're in even the even the culture of ancient Babylon and the culture of modern Babylon um, so uh, it's it'll be a different week uh, I'm excited I'm excited to hear the Bible read and uh, Justin does a good job if you are if you are uh, willing and enjoy this uh, subscribe to his podcast uh, he goes to fellowship Fayetteville um, we had uh, lunch him a few weeks ago and he does he knows his stuff and uh, he has a heart for the Lord and to bring these passages uh, to life for his audience and so the the podcast you can subscribe to it is called Holy Ghost Stories he's got uh, another season coming out soon they're working on and just Listen to him. Listen to him as a family. Put him on in the car when you're driving somewhere. Just give it a shot. Let's see what that would do for us to uh, just re-engage these stories. We do as children, right? We hear them as stories as kids. To do so again as adults and do so in a fresh way. So, Justin, thank you. If you you listen to this, uh, Ryan Burton, thank you for joining us here today on Sermon Notes. And as always, thanks for listening.